Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. Here with your hosts, Jacob Smedley, Sam Bass, Justin Rehammer, and Nathan Romanoff. Today's special guests, Cameron Whitney. Today include the MLB trade deadline and the NFL offseason. We have a top 10 list of players as well as some off-season news. Now, here's Sam Betts. Sam, what is going on in the MLB trade world? All right, Jake, we're at this time again. I feel like we've talked about the trade deadline a lot of times uh, in the past couple of years of our podcast, but it's right around that time again. Uh, the trade deadline start, uh, ends on August 1st. I don't know what time it ends. I would imagine it ends at some point in the afternoon. I think it's like three, three, it might be five. It's, it's, it's in that afternoon. It's in that range. <laughs> so teams are wheeling and dealing right now. I mean, I've been surprised by a couple of the trades so far. I've been surprised that some guys actually haven't been dealt. Uh, Shohei Otani was rumored to have been uh, on the trading block until the Angels kind of reported and said he's, he's no-go, that he's staying with the Angels. Uh, Nolan Arenado is actually another guy uh, on the Cardinals. The Cardinals will uh, not be trading Nolan Arenado at all. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very interesting how it's shaped out. I think it started out as a as a seller's market, uh, starting with the Lucas Giolito Ronaldo Lopez trade, which I'm sure we'll discuss a bit further here in a second. But see a lot of top prospects the second and the third best prospects for the Angels going to the White Sox in that deal. But teams are starting to get hot closer towards the trade deadline. The Cardinals still hovering towards the the bottom, but the Angels really picking up steam. And they're like, we're not going to trade this, you know, potentially, in my opinion, could go down as the greatest MLB player ever, Shohei Otani, for boatload prospects when you have an opportunity, just four games out of a wild card, to go for it. They're adding multiple pieces in the bullpen, and it gets shifting towards more teams are in it with the added playoff spot that was added a few years ago, and you know, not willing to trade off guys unless a really large haul. And that's what's so great about the trade deadline, Jake. This is the point where you kind of bolster your team. If you're in that playoff hunt, you can get one or two, three players who can really turn your team around and really push you forward. So some of these teams, they've kind of just kind of accepted that they're probably not going to make a playoff run this year, and they're going to sell. If we kind of look the athletics, I was actually really surprised about this trade. They traded uh, Shintaro uh, Fujinami uh, to the Orioles for uh, Easton Lucas, who is a minor league pit left-handed pitcher. I mean, um, Shintaro, he was their big um, overseas uh, acquisition uh, this year. And, you know, this A's team has kind of been beat up here and there. And he was, get, he was getting beat up a little bit, too. But, I mean, Shintaro has been able to throw uh, over 100 miles per hour. He's got really nice command of the fastball. He's got some really good off-speed stuff, too. Uh, and the Orioles have been playing really well this year. And he's just kind of one of those guys that they picked up that was just going to help out their um, – he started for a while. I think he's going to be more of like a bullpen piece now. Obviously, throwing that 100 miles per hour is really going to help. But 
that was kind of like the first big trade of the trade deadline. If we look here, kind of like the next big one, I would say the Dodgers getting Kike Hernandez in cash for a couple prospects, Nick Robertson and Justin uh, Hangenman, who go to the Red Sox. I mean, Kike Hernandez is a, is a pretty electric player, able to play a lot of infield positions and outfield positions, a really good utility guy who actually goes back to the Dodgers as he spent a couple years dancing in the dugout, uh, a couple of those teammates. But Dodgers kind of just trying to get some more pieces. And actually another, they've made a couple big trades, um, trading Ahmed for Ahmed Rosario from the uh, Guardians for Noah Syndergaard. I mean, he's definitely going to fill in a spot for shortstop. Kind of interesting. Adds a really good bat who's really really good contact hitter. What did you think about that one, Jake? Yeah, I, I, I'm really interested with these Dodgers moves. And I'll, I'll loop in one of the most recent trades, Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly for the bullpen on the pitching side. A lot of guys who have struggled this year. I mean, Kike Hernandez, a 220 average, not exactly his best year at the plate. You mentioned that versatility that he always brings. And, of course, the clubhouse presence. Ahmed Rosario, another guy that's now moved around a few times after starting out with the Mets. And you have Lynn and Kelly. Lynn, who's been around a few teams, a veteran starter, over 6 ERA this season. Joe Kelly, another returner to the Dodgers, a veteran out of the bullpen. They're trying almost for that Rays strategy, Rays-esque strategy, getting those older guys and trying to be able to flip that switch in a competitive environment. Um, You know, Hernandez coming from the Red Sox, they're having a good year, but get a few guys from the Guardians and the White Sox who have really been sputtering along all season. You throw them in the, onto that first place team that has all that firepower already, and hopefully they're hoping for that click. So I'm really interested to see how those moves play out and hopefully benefit the Dodgers from taking those risks. Yeah, especially to keep them above uh, the Diamondbacks who have been really hot this year and they've been playing really well. So kind of just keeping them in that first place spot, making sure that they could uh, take it. Uh, We can actually go to, since we've kind of talked about the Angels, we can go, this is a really big trade. I actually thought the Dodgers were going to take Lucas Giolito, but it was actually the other team from Anaheim. Uh, the Angels got Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, uh, two two guys who have kind of stuck together through their career, both being on the Nationals and then kind of going to the White Sox. And now both of them are headed to the Angels. And then, like you said earlier, the White Sox got Edward, Edgar uh, Chiero, a catcher, and Kai Bush, a left-handed pitcher, both top prospects for the Angels. Definitely the White Sox have been struggling. Again and again, We always this White Sox team continues to disappoint and uh, they were definitely sellers this year um, as they give away one of, or a guy who's been really dominant as a starting pitcher. He's had some bumps here and there, but, I mean, has just been had really good command of his pitches. And, I mean, Renato Lopez, another guy who's just kind of been under the radar, kind of underperformed a little bit in his career, but somewhat of a decent pitcher who can fill in a starting spot or if you want to add him as, like, a long guy in the bullpen. He would probably fare well in that too, but the Angels are definitely uh, keeping up with just pushing for a wild card spot, trying to really get out of mediocrity and getting into the playoff position. 
And and just to, to talk about the Angels there for a second before moving on, I mean, you have two of the most transcendent talents the sports have seen the sport has seen in years, maybe in the entire history of the sport. I know that's looping in a lot of players, but you have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. This year, I think, was it six or seven of both of them being on the team together and not one playoff appearance from, as mentioned earlier, Shohei Otani, one of the best players this game has ever seen and what he can do on the field. And Mike Trout, who was the MVP for how many years in a row and in and out of the lineup for injuries. And now we're starting to see that sense of urgency that we haven't seen in so long for the Angels going for it. Hitting that, hitting that Staples red go button. Let's do it. Let's make the trade for a starting pitcher and a reliever. Let's go out today and get back CJ Crone and Randall Gritchick in a most recent move announced an hour ago, adding some more insurance along with Musa stock us along with Escobar, it's it's great to see. It's great to see because the game needs those type of top talents in the playoffs. Definitely. And I mean, it's, it's absurd that we haven't seen Mike Trout, like you said, multi, multiple time all-star, multiple time MVP, and just no, nothing to show for it. No, no team accolade to show for it. So it's kind of it's really it's really refreshing to see the angels actually making moves and making their team better like you said randall gritchick and cj crone an hour ago so being sent to the angels cj crone had some back spasm issues earlier in the season but i mean his bat he carries so much power um randall gritchick has just been a pretty solid outfielder definitely high average high average with a bat most years Definitely someone who could uh, roam the outfield, make really good catches. This is really refreshing to see. Well, we can go to uh, another big one. The Rangers have been making. The Rangers have been playing really well. They've had a little bit of a down slope, but now they're really pushing. They're trying. They're trying to kind of come back to their glory days as they get Max Scherzer and also some cash to kind of pay for his contract for uh, Luis Angel Acuna, the brother of Ronald Acuna. I mean, that's just, that's a blockbuster trade right there. That really bolsters that starting rotation for the Rangers, who's been solid, but Nathan Avaldi, uh, I saw is going to the IL right now. Definitely Max Scherzer is going to pick up uh, that spot there. And I mean, we also got another one coming in. They also just, get, they also, a couple hours ago, just got Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton. So Jordan Montgomery, solid Left-handed starting pitcher. He's pitched for the Yankees. He's been really solid. Chris Stratton, decent uh, reliever out of the bullpen for a couple of uh, prospects. I mean, Jake, uh, the Rangers are really pushing for it. Yeah, Sam, I, I think the, the moves from the Rangers have been, have been great. And another team that is pushing forward in the AL West. And it, they have a, like a nine-man rotation at this point. It, it's pretty insane. You have Heaney, who's having a pretty solid year. Martin Perez is going to be their fifth guy. He was an all-star last year, which is, which is pretty insane to think about. So you add a guy like Max Scherzer, who... You know, I, I'm looking at the prospect here, Luis a Angel Acuna. I think he is going to be a great player, and now both Acuna brothers are in the National League East. But when you have an opportunity to get a guy that 
you know, he might be heading towards the tail end of his career, at least based on the stats, based on the analysis of his pitching so far. But the clubhouse presence, the winning mentality that he can bring to a team like the Rangers that is trying to get to the playoffs for the first time in almost a decade or really close to a decade and have that same success is is huge. And Jordan Montgomery, another arm that can not only start but using the bullpen, I wouldn't be shocked if they maybe make a smaller incremental offensive move. Their offense has been great, but you can never have enough enough depth as well. Chapman, I think we're also ignoring a wilderness Chapman who's been having a great resurgent year, now out of the pen, still throwing over 100 and closing games for them. You know, Rangers right now, looking like one of the best teams in the American League up there. Orioles, Rangers, Rays as well. It's it's pretty tight at the top. Also, um, Max Scherzer exercised uh, his player option. So he'll, he will be with the Rangers through the 2024 season. Uh, he'll be paid $43 million. Last big thing I want to talk about, another Mets trade. Uh, they gave up David Robertson. Um, Reliever who uh, Jake, we know pretty well, has played for the Phillies a couple times, been a veteran reliever, has some pretty decent stuff, has been in the league for a long time. Uh, They're giving up Marco Vargas and uh, Ronald Hernandez, two uh, prospects there. Um, Dave Robertson goes to the Marlins. That's probably the the last biggest trade. Again, Mets are kind of selling right now. They have not been performing that great. And um, who knows? Um, I was seeing... On uh, Talking Baseball, um, one of the guys said that Pete Alonso would be traded to the Twins. I don't think they're going to trade Pete Alonso. I don't think Was that they're... Trevor Plouffe? Was that Trevor It might have been Trevor Plouffe. I don't think oh, he's going man. to the Twins. I don't really think they're going to trade him, McNeil. I don't think they're going to trade Nimmo. Apparently, they're not. They're, apparently, they're. Well, the Astros were uh, r- rumored to have wanted Justin Verlander. That doesn't look like that's going to happen now. The Astros confirmed that they are not looking for a starting pitcher. So I don't know if Verlander goes, but that's um that that's kind of up to see. I mean, if they've been selling Scherzer, they've been selling Robertson. They might go and sell uh, Justin Verlander too. Yeah, I, I think looking at the Mets as a whole, it, you know, it, it's it's been it's been a very rough season. I mean, you you start with the injuries, you start with the offense that has not been able to replicate the same kind of success. We've seen it from a handful of teams, as we mentioned with the with the Cardinals, with the Padres as well, where you have these all star caliber players for you. Of course, you have the starting pitching. They were age concerns going into the season with a lot of guys up there in age, injuries getting to Scherzer and Verlander, both of them missing time. And then the offense, you're you're paying a lot of these guys big money and they just have not had the same level of success. And when you pour all that money into these guys, you expect them to produce and they haven't. And this is where they're sitting at, where they have valuable arms like Robertson. I'm not sure it still sounds like Verlander would waive his no trade clause if the right trade comes about see if that happens. Um, but uh, yeah, like like you said, I don't 
think they're going to move any of those guys, especially guys like Lindor, Alonzo, guys that they already have kind of really locked down for a handful of years now. But again, could see veteran guys, Canna, Marte, could also be guys that could see a move. Um, Verlander as well, I think is another guy. But, you know, it's it's... It, it stinks, too, because they made history in the offseason, going out and making all of these moves and building up a team that many thought would contend for a World Series and just poor play has, has put them in this position. Steve Cohen, I bet, is sad right now um, that the team's not. He said that, hey, we're going to make moves. If no one's, if people aren't performing, we're going to make moves. So it's just kind of all to see um right now i don't really know what other moves are going to happen it's i'm sure some other blockbuster trade is going to happen i'm not the best at predicting those things but um i could see the white Sox still selling some guys i could see the angels maybe picking up another bat for their offense who knows jake the trade deadline is always uh it's always a crazy time yeah always a crazy time before we move to football one team giants to keep an eye on the san francisco giants i think they might nab someone there in the hunt them in the marlins as well now let's head over justin reed hammer we've got a top 10 list i'll, I'll be the judge of that justin will be the judge of that top 10 players in the nfl and some news in the off season as training camp gets underway take it away mr reed hammer Thank you, Jacob. Now, as you stated, we are going to be going over my picks for the top 10 players in the NFL. It's that time of year. It's, you know, end of July, early August. The hype of the season is just starting to build. It will only continue as we go along. And in the coming, I think, week or so now, we're going to get the NFL's start drop of the top 10. But until then, I didn't want to wait. I just wanted to get right to it. So let's jump right in. I'm going to go over the first, the 10 to 6, and then we'll discuss, and then I will go down to 5 to 1, and we'll see if you, know, you agree, you disagree, what have you. All right, so at number 10, I have offensive tackle Trent Williams of the San Francisco 49ers. I think that he is one of, if not the best, offensive lineman in the game. Not much gets past him, and a lot of San Francisco's offense runs through him. Then we're going to go down to number nine, Nick Bosa at the defensive end position for San Francisco. Again, a sack machine, 18 and a half sacks in the regular season last year. Just an absolute machine at that position. Gets after the passer every single play. Number eight, I'm going with Miles Garrett, defensive end of the Cleveland Browns. His team might not be the best, but he certainly is one of the best at this position. Then at number seven, I have the best receiver in the league, Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings. Listen, he's going to be the number one pick for a lot of fantasy managers coming up in the, the next few weeks here. And there's a reason why he his numbers say it all. And then at number six, I have quarterback Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals. Although his injury will keep him out for may, possibly the next few weeks here. When he joins his team again, though, he will still be playing at that elite level. Wow, that was a that was a great list, Justin. I I am I am surprised. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just the skill position player in me, and I love the respect to the to the D. I I love the pit. I think Bosa and Garrett, Trent Williams. I think as a as a top ten player, I I think it's a bold pick. I I like the pick of a, including a lineman. 
I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of someone to, I guess, rebuttal with for that spot. But what about TJ Watt? I really like that pick. TJ Watt. <laughs> I think that's valid to bring up from Sam, though. I mean, I know Cam would have something to say about that as a Steelers fan in terms of the defensive end position. No, not really like that. But um, I'm just wasn't Bosa ranked higher than Miles Garrett, regardless. Anyway, when uh. The Madden ratings came out. I mean, yeah, but I'm not. Do- I'm not going based off of the ratings. But, 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 no, no, no. But hear me out. Those though. have been terrible. Yeah. But, Those but, they but, have but, terrible. but, no. Anyway, I think Bosa in general is still better than Miles Garrett. He's probably better than even T.J. Watt, and that that's that's my opinion. And I think T.J. Watt's better than Miles Garrett. I mean, I don't know what you got in your top five, but like, I I don't know what you're going based off of though. Like, are you going by like? That's fair. We, we, we don't know right. Justin's criteria tech- here. I mean, this is just his own opinion, his own. Yeah. I guess it's, you know, when you look at every <laughs> position of the, I guess, impact, I guess you could say, is what I'm going for. Because if you're go- are you going by, like, are you going by, like, last season, or are you going by, yeah, like... Yeah, this is, this is solely on coming into this year. Okay, so then I disagree with you. I think Bosa should be higher than Miles Garrett, so I would switch them around. I, I would agree with you there as well, Cam. I think I'd have Bosa above Miles Garrett on my, my list in terms of the defensive end position. Sticking, sticking with the defensive line, is Aaron Donald in your top five? That, that, that's just a question. You may, I, don't wanna, I don't want you to necessarily reveal it. I'm just thinking in that area. I know he hasn't had the same production in recent years. Is he moved back in that Bosa, Bosa, Watt, while we're talking Garrett kind of tier now? Because I know he's been in the top five of you know players in the league the past few years. Well, you have to uh, wait and see here, I guess. <laughs> Okay, I will. Right. I will say, right. if you're putting Justin Jefferson, would you have him? I think at seven on your list. Then I'm going to make the assumption that that is your only receiver on this list because you'd be crazy to have any other receiver going into I this say, season. I did say best in the league. The so. Best in the league. So yeah, I take, that take is that my. I will take that for what I will. And I will say, turn yes. it into a game. Turn it into only, a game. Only one receiver on the top <laughs> ten list. I mean, you know, that's probably fair. I guess when you look at it overall. Yeah. Yeah. Try to give some representation to other positions. positions. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Defense guy. A defense guy is what you gotta I respect. Defense is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta yeah. Res- gotta respect the defense. <laughs> I want to hear this top five. Though. Yeah. Let's get to the top five. <laughs> All right. Well, if nobody else has any questions, then I guess I'm gonna steamroll right through my top five. At number five, I have Josh Allen, quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. Listen, last year I see the faces. I see the faces. Last year. Many people think he took a step back, but that's just looking at it from a narrow lens. He still had over over 35 touchdowns, 4,500 yards, led a top three offense last year. So, I mean, yeah, he was hit with the turnover bug, but he's still one of the best and a huge impact player for the Bills. At number four, I have defensive tackle Aaron Donald out of the Los Angeles Rams, as you were saying there. A very great player, the best at the defensive tackle position still to this day, although... His production has been declining recently. He's still performing at a very high level in his twilight years of his career. And then at number three, I have tight end Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. This guy is unstoppable. I'll put it that way. If he was able to be stopped, the Chiefs would not be Super Bowl champions. Let's just put it. Let's just be blunt about it. He is absolutely fantastic player and will always be open on every play that he is uh, on the field. And then at number two, I have Micah Parsons, the edge rusher of the Dallas Cowboys, one of, if not the best defensive players in the game, 
absolute sack machine. He is just fantastic, phenomenal player with a rare ability with speed and athleticism, and he pressures the quarterback on almost every snap that he is out there. And then, of course, the undisputed number one player in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. He is the single best player in the league at the moment, going for the GOAT status. All he needs to do is win a couple more Super Bowls, get a couple of touchdowns and a few more wins, and he'll be there. So I don't think there's going to be much uh, to talk about the number one position. But yeah, let's let's get right into it. Let's hear what you got to say. I don't know where to start. Is it Allen? Is it Parsons? Where are we starting here? Well, Jake, I mean, I think it's – let's start where, you know, he started. The five and six. I'm sorry. Who who won in the playoffs last year? Yeah, you're taking who, a who won in Buffalo? Sam- okay, but put it this no, way. Put no, it this but way. Justin, who won? Who won convincingly in Buffalo last year? You want me to Joe Burrow. That? Joe Burrow team. did. That's a team. That's a team thing. Uh, I'm talking about individual players, Okay. Because Joe Burrow individually nobody, is a nobody, better quarterback than Josh Allen. Nobody Howard. here will say, nobody Thank here, you. nobody in this room would say that Joe Burrow is better than Patrick Mahomes, yet in the last three, me- last four meetings, he's won three of their four meetings. All right. It's fair. It's fair. They're, but they're both great teams. I'm talking exactly. purely That's what I'm purely saying. Based... Just, you're, you're comparing teams. You're not comparing quarterbacks. Yes, but and I well, still believe... I think that Josh Allen and... Uh, Joe Burrow, they have very comparable passing ability, but Josh Allen's rushing ability edges him over Burrow. I, I mean, d- didn't Allen struggle with interceptions though last yeah. season? I mean, I, I think that I, Allen I, I don't has know. Poor I don't have made. the stats in front of me. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not trying to dispute it. Both are excellent passers. I just know Allen struggled with the arm last year, and you know, I know there's. The leg conversation and running is a huge part in the game, but you know it, it's it's tight. We're, we're splitting hairs here. I would just rather have Joe Burrow, who I think takes care of the ball a little bit better, starting my team. That's that's all. That's what I'm saying. Let me just say for for an O line like the Cincinnati Bengals have, for the amount of times that man has been sacked and the numbers he has put up, it's unbelievable. And Josh Allen is already able to put up those numbers, but like he also has an O-line to protect them. So therefore, the way I put this is that Joe Burrow is actually a better quarterback than Josh Allen. But that's just my opinion. All right, here, I have the numbers. So they both, both Josh Allen and Joe Burrow threw for 35 touchdowns, but Josh Allen had two more interceptions. Josh Allen had 14 interceptions compared to Joe Burrow. Only two club. more. So you look at it, you that, look at it. It's a lot more fair. clear that way. Yeah. Who? All right. Who's well, been in the Super Bowl? Who? who <laughs> good, great point. Yeah, thanks. Burrow's, Burrow's been to a Super Bowl. Burrow also went into Buffalo last year, beat Allen, you know, on his home turf, because Josh Allen simply didn't get it done, like flat out. As I said, you're comparing you're comparing teams to teams. You're not comparing quarterback to quarterback. Who had a better game quarterback wise? Joe Burrow. It's one. Joe game. Burrow's been better. I'm in looking the playoffs. at a whole season. Okay. Yeah, but you as, say as, the, as players. I'm looking at them as players. You said you're going by last season, though. Josh Allen did have a lot of interceptions last season. He just said though. Joe Burrow only had two less. Two less, but that's still more interceptions. How many Ooh, more rushing touchdowns bad. did Josh Allen have? I don't know. We don't get it to rushing touchdowns. Find me that stat, All right, here. Joe Burrow ran for 257 yards 
He had five touchdowns. Sam is breaking out the numbers. The numbers, <laughs> yeah. man. That's why I we keep him around. Josh Allen ran for 762 yards with seven touchdowns. So. 500 more yards you, and two more you, But you are being so hypocritical right now because I think Jake and Cam are backing <laughs> up on this. What is one of your biggest slights on Lamar Jackson? It's that he's a quarterback. You know, you don't no, look at his running ability. Is, you don't. No, there's no, no difference. I do. You are the difference, over. <laughs> the so difference is Josh this. Allen throws 2,000 2, more yards and 20 more look touchdowns. Look at Josh Allen's receivers compared to what Lamar's been working with the past, you know, And two, Lamar three still threw the Baltimore. ball well last year. Yeah. So you you literally hate on Lamar, you know, not, not hate, but you give him crap, you know, because, oh, he's running, he's not throwing. And then, you know, you're going to split hairs here and say, oh, Allen's running ability is what puts him over Burrow. Like because just, that it is important Justin. to have Come a on. mobility. It is important to have mobility, but it should be secondary to your <laughs> passing. I, I just I don't get it, man. I, I I'm sorry. Can, can we can we talk about Michael Parsons at two? Yeah, no, Michael Parsons no, that's where is we gotta an go. excellent <laughs> player. He is a top ten player in the game, but he's only been in the league. He's a dominant defensive player. Let me start that off right away. I can see him being a top five guy maybe four or five but number two is 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 very interesting i was originally going to put him at three but then i saw that i was going to put travis kelsey at two then and i was like i wasn't feeling so hot about that so i decided to put kelsey at three but that would be a fair that would be fair yeah because I, I wasn't I wasn't quite sure that Kelsey was, you know, number two of material. Yeah, but yeah, you're sure I mean, that Parsons is? is? Yeah. I mean, I felt like it would be better to give it to, you know, a defensive player than, you know, give the top two spots to two offensive players. I don't know. Some some defensive players, like, I can I can name one, not trying to be a homer or anything, but Hassan Reddick had uh, better better numbers rushing the passer than Michael Parsons did in terms of statistically better. I mean, or there was, there is some discrepancy there. So I don't know. I'm just, you know, just putting it's it out there. It's, it's not a perfect system here. It is not a perfect system. system. Clearly not he a perfect excellent... system. <laughs> All right, guys, what's going on with the signings? Cameron Whitney, get us started on these signings. Oh, uh, you want me to start off? Well, uh, I didn't know where to start with this, but uh, I think we could start off with the running back situation. A lot of things been going on with the running back situation, you know. Obviously, the big news so far is JT doesn't want to be with the Indianapolis Colts. You know, that's kind of the downfall of the Colts. Very good running back, very versatile, you know. Bad guy to lose, but, you know, I, with all the running backs, I know Austin Eckler was talking about how he wants to make more money. Barkley, at the beginning of the season, wasn't even planning on signing, but instead they gave him, like, I think they gave him a little bit more money. I don't know how much they gave him. What was it, like $10 million or so, something like it's that? about a little over the franchise, right? Yeah, the yeah, franchise is like 10, French, so. Yeah, I think it was like $10 million or something like that. So I think just the running back situation right now, and I remember seeing something with Najee even saying something like, the running back's the most important part of the game. My opinion is, is it's a passing league now. I don't think running backs anymore are as big as they used to be like you look at it in the past they used to be big in the past like you got Bo Jackson you know you got Walter Payton you got all these bigger guys who are just Barry Sanders you know it was a running back league at that point but where we are now in this generation it's a passing league so I don't know and in terms of Jonathan uh Jonathan Taylor where he'll end up or what's going to go on with that I, I I don't know. I don't know what's going through his head. I don't know where he wants to go. I mean, I don't think he was getting paid terribly, so I just, there could be so many reasons to why he wants out. I Probably wants a ring. Maybe. He might want a ring. I mean, I, I, 
I do think it stems from what the Colts owner said in regards to running back, running backs, you know, wanting to be paid more, which I think is a fair stance because I feel like the running back position in the NFL, I would say arguably takes the largest beating out of anybody, you know, when they have to go through the trenches, ground and pound, you know, the big boys down in the trenches, they, they take a beating. And I think that it's, fair for them to want a little more i don't think that barkley i mean the franchise tag but what 10 we said it's about 10 million him barkley after a season he had and josh jacobs for the raiders was also tagged um and he led the league in you know uh, rushing yards last year so i i just think that whilst cam i agree that it's transitioning more to a passing league than it was in the past i i still think that the running backs are being a little undervalued for what they do for their teams and what they go through on the field. I mean, I mean, think about it this way. Think about what Nick Chubb does for the Cleveland Browns. What if the what if Nick Chubb was never on the Cleveland Browns with a running back like they have? They they would be way worse. I get, I get what you're both saying, and I like it, but it's just you know, like Cam was saying, the you know, running backs in the '60s, '70s. You had a good running back, you were probably going to win the Super Bowl. But nowadays, if you have a good running back, you're what the Cleveland Browns. You know, not that the great team. The Titans, you know, they've had a great running back for years, and they've barely scraped the playoffs. And then you look at these teams who don't have great running backs, you know, have, like, no-name guys. The Chiefs last year didn't have, you know, who they have, Isaiah Pacheco. And yet, you know, this guy's, what, first, second year, and they won the Super Bowl. At the end of the day, for success in a league, it's not about the running back position anymore. So I can see from the perspective of the organization saying, hey— Listen, a good running back overpaying for one is not worth it because we can find them later in the draft. We can find good value for them later in the draft anyway. And, you know, we can find these guys some rookie deals, run that through, and then ship them off to somewhere else before they get paid. And even if we do pay for, you know, the best one in the league, that doesn't guarantee our offense success. What guarantees our offense success is going to be quarterbacks and receivers who are in in a good connection that can propel our offense forward like what the Bengals, the Chiefs have. But at the same time, I see that other side of things where it's, you know, the running back is the one of those positions that just gets beat up. They're done in 10 years, if that, because of They'd be how, lucky to get 10 years. Yeah, because of how, you know, bad it, it is for your body to get hit the way that they do on every single play they're out there. So it's just, it's it's a tough thing to do for both these sides to work out. But I don't know. I, I think that running backs are overvaluating themselves. But at the same time, I do think that they have some cause to want more for the job they do. Yeah, and I'm, I, I agree with what you said, Justin. I'm just more, I'm a proponent of the running backs, you know. I think that they're just, you know, still a little undervalued, especially given the franchise tag. I think that it should have just been a little higher for their position going into this year yeah i i agree as well i i think you have both sides of this in into play as as all of you guys have mentioned so far with the whole you know fun office the value of course with all of the analytics in the game in addition to what you guys have been mentioning you look at the value what am i getting out of my my running back is it how many carries per game how many yards because it that that's looking on a plane and how how that affects winning and losing and as as we all know at this point it, it it's not affecting winning and losing as much as quarterbacks, wide receivers, defensive players at times as well. But at the same time, you know, running back still, in addition to running, they're 
protecting the blind side of the quarterback on blocks. They're, you know, serving if you look at, you know, guys like Debo Samuel, a wide receiver, running back merges, McCaffrey, guys like that who are playing more out of the backfield. You can see the value still there. So I think the players are being able to advocate for that. As you mentioned, as you guys mentioned, there is that fine line that it, it's going to see how the market dissuades because if a lot of these guys refuse to pay to take pay cuts, then you're at then you're at really a stalemate and guys like Dalvin Cook are just sitting there in free agency without a team. Uh, honestly, I think uh, a position that's very undervalued is offensive line. I think those offensive linemen are very undervalued for what they do and put their bodies on the line and how they block, protect the quarterback, and they block for the running back. So I think, it, for me, I think that's probably the most valuable position, in my opinion. Besides quarterback, I think quarterback's number one. But, I mean, in terms of if you're not talking about that, I think offensive linemen is undervalued. Definitely. The trenches are... Um you know one of the most important parts of the game when I, when you're building a team first thing you do is cut a quarterback second thing you do is protect him so yeah i think you're right about that Ken. yeah and and uh you look at offensive linemen but talking about the skill position group again i'm gonna go to was it the third ranked player on justin's list with a bit of an altercation in training camp the other day was it an inter-squad matchup justin can you have you have more information on this travis kelsey fight the the last guy i would think that would we would be throwing throwing punches is is travis kelsey so anyway uh i can't remember who it was again that's why my mind's blanking right now who we got in the scuffle with but it was twice it wasn't it was two different players and it was not even like the play in general was it was just like a one was a touchdown and all the guy did was have like a delayed hit, and Travis just started bah, 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 <laughs> throwing fist. Um, I'm trying to—I can't remember exactly what his name was again. I don't know why I can't remember what his name was. Uh, and then the second time was the same way. He just had a little bit of a late hit. But it seems like Travis Kelsey just can't take a little bit of a late hit. You know, like it's not like it was full force. Like it wasn't like he was trying to purposely. He was just trying to make a play, trying to be like, "Hey, I'm here. Look at me, coach. I want to." keep getting a starting spot you know and Travis obviously can't handle himself and got a little upset about it but I think in terms of that I think you need to be a leader you're a top tight end in the league you're one of the probably the leaders on the team you got to role model that you can't be just sitting there punching guys in the face because you get upset that they delayed hit you a little bit like it was a little bit of a hit it wasn't even like he was purposely like throwing his helmet off with the Miles Garrett in the Mason Rudolph <laughs> situation, you know. I, I mean, you just got you got to be a leader, and I just think looking at that, it's like, what are you gonna expect when you go in a game? There's gonna be guys hitting you two times harder than what they just did to you, you know. Yeah, I mean, as a Chiefs fan, I wouldn't look too much into it. I mean, obviously, as the season approaches, it might happen a couple more times, but by the time the season starts, you know, these guys they're gonna be, you know, as thick as you know, blood of themselves. So, I I don't really see it affecting the team. Uh, as a whole but yeah it's definitely something that you don't want your leaders to be doing on the field and I think that as a person you probably shouldn't be doing it either I mean it's tough in those times when you know the hormones are raging and you know you're just you know you're really upset but uh, you, you got to learn to control that yeah I, I agree I, I think again there's there's that leadership I'm I'm with Cam as well um, 
you know, I, I believe I believe he's a younger guy too. It's first, second stream might have been first, first team, kind of second team as well. I blanking on the name because I remember they said it. I watched a video of what happened, but yeah, at the same time. But uh, like you mentioned too, Justin, the you know you're, you're trying to you know set the tone and and you don't you know that that kind of thing happens and get all wild up and you know. It happens to the best of us. Emotions get get the better, and sure, they have talked it over afterwards. There's been some consoling done, but yeah, at the at the same time, though, maybe wanted to see uh, some different actions out there. I pretty much agree with everything you guys have said. I mean, it, it comes down to you know the leadership aspect of it all. Kelsey is a leader for that team. He's been there, obviously, a two-time Super Bowl champion with them. Uh, the young guys are going to look up to him going into training camp and stuff. So you don't want to see that. And, you know, you don't want that being out there in full blast and, you know, all the media coverage and scrutiny that may come along with it. It's, it's not good, but it happens. And I, I think they'll be fine as a team moving on from it. He's just got to, you know, uh, keep his emotions in check and re- remember that he is an important uh, figure for this team and an, an important leader. And he should act, you know. Did he, like, give a reason why he, like, went out for it? Or, like, did he, like, comment on it? Or I know I saw he tweeted about it. He tweeted that he should kind of fix up his actions and become a better leader. But, like, was he, like, interviewed about it? or No, I think he had, like, a t- tweet or something that he was like, I need to be better than that. Yeah, I saw, like, yeah, I saw the tweet. So, something like that. But I'm sure he'll talk about it on his podcast that he does, too. Just like us, we have a nice podcast, you know? But uh, who's we camp? <laughs> uh, well, you guys, I'm I figured that was a good time for some type of promotion thing, but whatever, I, you know, whatever. I mean, at this rate, you've been on here just as much as Peter, so <laughs> you've probably been on your board with Peter recently. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I mean, overall, I think just. I, it's not going to really affect the team. I think you're at that practice. You guys are all competing, you know, to keep a roster spot. You know, at that point, there's a lot of emotions. And, you know, who knows what goes on throughout the whole practice. They might be talking all the time, you know. There's always separate times. Like, you just, you, you don't know. So, you know, there might be a lot of emotions. You know, maybe this guy was talking crap to Kelsey the whole time. And Kelsey said, you know what, I had enough. Bah, bah, bah. You know, take that. <laughs> but... Like, obviously, you shouldn't be doing that, but at the same time, I mean, there's always emotions running in every single game or, tra- like, any practice. You know, those guys are always just going at it. So, at the end of the day, I don't think it affects them, and that's just my overall thoughts about it. That will do it for this week's episode of the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. Thank you all for listening, and thank you so much for your patience for all of these these weeks we've been away summer has taken us away from each other as well and thank you so much for listening as we gather again talking sports with you thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time